Alright, here we go. Room here for everyone, gather around. Constable's responsible. Now how does that sound? No, 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 no. Responsible is not a word. We made it up. Well, unmake it up. What is this? Fake sire, is this? This Hades costume is the stinkiest costume on this brand. <laughs> Babies are often very useless when you need to get things done. Take a puff. Do you fear that? Bing is a sus individual. The cold never bothered us anyway. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's gang at patreon.com slash mouse madness. Um, Kyle, uh, we're, we're one, one more week deep into December and we're getting colder by the minute. <laughs> that was a reference to a song from Frozen on Broadway. Oh, which is in the Bay Area. And we've talked about maybe going yeah, to see, sure. but I've quickly learned how expensive those tickets are. So I don't know if we're, uh, we're going to be able to make it out yeah. to, the, to the old Frozen here at the San Francisco Broadway. But yes, we are further into December. We're closer to the holidays. We are getting colder and colder. And there's really no better time to talk about Disney's coldest bitch than here in the month of December, uh, leading up to the warmth of the holidays. I'm excited for the end of this year. I'm excited for what we have planned for the end of this year. Both in, in, as the bracket, we're going to go ahead and, and run it back again, as we always do with the year in review bracket, the best Disney thing of 2022. But we also got a little fun something planned for Patreon this month uh, as far as the end of the year goes. So uh, Jerry's gang, get ready. We've got it's award season here at (laughs) Jerry's gang and Mouse Madness. So get ready for that bonus episode. And if you're interested in joining, like join us. No better time. New Year's resolution is to join Jerry's gang for 2023. Get over here. We're going to be having trivia in a couple months uh, and and you're going to get some bonus episodes coming your way. So. I'm excited. I love this time of year. I'm excited to get back into talking about these cold ass bitches. And I'm happy to have uh, some of our friends here along with us to help us figure this out. It's Alyssa and Tess. Welcome back, you two. Thanks well, for thank, ha- you. thank you for having us back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've got balls on my head. Uh, oh my God. You got balls on your head. You got balls on your head, but don't call me a, a balls head. Uh, Alyssa and Tess. You're down in SoCal. You're close to the parks. Are you? Come on, let me have. That was a good one. I was, I was, was that the first Andy Milanakis reference on Mouse Madness? Maybe could have been. Listeners, been. she's wearing a beanie with Mickey Mouse. Like, uh, what do they call them? Palms. Like, it's a love your melon, Minnie Mouse beanie. And just for anyone who's like, what the oh. heck is she wearing? They're furry balls. I was going to let the listeners like get to the 30 minute mark before we revealed uh, what that reference <laughs> sorry, was, but sorry. we can go ahead and do it right off the top. Uh, Alyssa and Tess, you, you two are close to the parks down there in SoCal. Are you spreading that holiday chair? Are you getting down to the parks during this holiday season? We went to the holiday festivals, so we got all the food. 
Yes. All the good food. Hit me with a little little something. What's going on with the festival holidays? Uh, I am a festival food nerd. I, I must say this festival of holidays, they significantly, maybe not significantly, but noticeably enough, they decreased the number of food items that they're selling at the festival of holidays. I think maybe they spread it out a little bit more where it's like, oh, you can buy a festival food here and here. There's only a couple things on each booth menu. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, They got rid of my holiday stuffing mac and cheese. So that was kind of sad. But the andouille sausage, like New Orleans type mac and cheese was pretty good. Um, I don't know. The festival holidays is so fun just because it celebrates winter holidays five different ways. So that's really fun, not just with the food, but with the entertainment. Um, so that's that's always really enjoyable. Um, and they have alcohol. They do. They do have that. Um, watching the Viva Navidad performance with Donald shaking his little booty is pretty fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just enjoying the, you know, even going to the Grand and looking at the big old tree and the big old gingerbread house. And then um, uh, Hearth, Hearthstone Lounge at different holidays, they'll have like a little pop-up booth with like different baked goods that you can buy. So uh, that was my after school snack today was Christmas <laughs> cookies from the crab today. So I don't know. There's just something really magical about the parks at Christmas time. So even if I just go in there and I don't even have to do any of the rides, just experiencing everything um, is really fun. So it's a wonderful time of the year. And speaking of afternoon snacks, we've got some afternoon snacks of our own and we call them spoonful of sugars. Uh, Chris, what are you drinking this week? I mean, we're 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 pretty much in the run up to the holidays now, uh, the, and uh, my family celebrates Christmas, and so do many of my homies. Uh, so I'm going back home uh, for the Christmas holiday, and I'm gonna see I'm gonna see some of the boys, uh, and oh, so yeah. I you know I'm trying to uh, you know trying to tighten that bod up, uh, trying to trying to get that Tarzan bod on, uh, so that you know my boys don't think that. You know, I'm not taking care of myself up you here. I get the California, bod right for the so. boys, of course. Yeah, man. Right you know, come I mean, on. That's just our thing. That's just what we do. Uh, <laughs> so you know, I'm just. I got no alcohol today. I'm just. I'm just trying to stay hydrated, drinking some water. I've got a little diet coke for a little zero calorie caffeine to get me across the finish line from this recording session, baby. Um, but uh, but that's about it. Sorry, nothing exciting for our uh, listeners today from me. Uh, but hopefully um, I'll have uh, at least like four abs showing um, by the time <laughs> Christmas rolls around. I'm hoping for four. Um, I'll be okay with two, but uh, we'll see what happens. Kyle, what do you got? I, As I said last time, I am sticking to this Christmas, New Year, Anchor Brewing Co. special ale. Uh, I just love this stuff. Uh, it's delicious. I was looking at you know, sometimes the percentage varies. It's usually fairly high because it's like a specialty ale, uh, usually in like the mid sixes. Was looking at this. <laughs> this, one, this one is uh, 7.2, which is very high uh, alcohol percentage. And I also realized that I have a extremely early meeting tomorrow morning in which I think that oh. this is going to go uh, straight to the dome and make me feel not so good for my 6 a.m. all hands uh, Zoom call tomorrow morning. So not looking forward to it, but I'm going to enjoy the moment while I'm here. 
Uh, Tess and Alyssa, what do you have this week? Well, it is cold outside, baby, and it (laughs) is the holiday season. We got to warm ourselves up with some hot cocoa, but not just any. Whoa. We've got to add, well, to pay homage to the Hearthstone Lounge uh, hot cocoa, and you can do like little cookie shots with some Baileys or lots of other stuff, but I specifically like the cookie shots with rum chata. And um, maybe when I went grocery shopping at one point, maybe peppermint rum chata was there. And maybe I like to indulge in a little uh, hot cocoa with rum chata. So cheers. Bring out Mariah Carey. (laughs) Delicious. (laughs) It is really good. I just Uh. choked. (laughs) Oh, man. On that, yeah, that very delicious note. Let's go ahead and, and recap how we got to this week here. Uh, we had a demographic of folks that left some pretty cold reviews about Strange World around the internet. And we asked them uh, for their coldest Disney bitches. Who do they think were the coldest of the cold? They gave us a, a bracket of 16. We had some that missed the dance and we talked about them last time. And we debated our way to an Elite Eight. And that Elite Eight looks like this. The number one Elsa from Frozen versus the number nine Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty. Down the brackets, the number 13 Scrooge, specifically from Muppets Christmas Carol versus number five Tinkerbell from Peter Pan. Across the brackets, 15 P.L. Travers from Saving Mr. Banks versus number seven Ursula from The Little Mermaid. And rounding out this Elite Eight, the number three Lady Tremaine versus the number six Mary Poppins, Tremaine from Cinderella, Poppins from Poppins. Uh, Chris, you started off first last time. I'll go ahead and dive in with this first matchup here. It's the number one Elsa versus the number nine Maleficent. This is, uh, I'm, I'm excited for this Elite Eight because we still have some, I mean, quite a few quote-unquote heroes or at least not the antagonists of the films uh, left that are considered some of these cold characters. Uh, one of them being Elsa, who, as you said last time, is can be perceived as one of the heroes of the Frozen franchises. Uh, we talked about kind of the literal and metaphoric walls that she builds up once she realizes the damage that her powers can do. Uh, she quite literally abandons her town, the town that was looking to her for leadership, and she runs up a mountain and builds an ice castle to barricade herself in. She... Uh, turns away her own family when they come to try and help because she doesn't think that they can and she doesn't want to hurt anybody anymore. So she has them kicked out. And what's the the best part of her having Anna and Kristoff kicked out is that it's not even her that has the, the gall to kick them out. She will exchange some harsh words, but then she's like, I've got this huge ass snowman henchman that's about to to make sure that you are done for. And like, who knows what could have happened, right? Like, what if this snowman killed your sister? <laughs> like, did she chalk that up? I don't know. It's kind of feels like something that you might want to consider. But in her self-absorption and what she felt was right to her, which was getting everybody away from her. Uh, she didn't take into consideration all of the options of what could happen. And I think that like when you refuse to analyze some of those situations and act on impulse, that can leave you that can leave you 
seeming pretty cold. And it is a cold move to turn your own family away, let alone use like force to do so. Um, so that's a really cold moment. And unfortunately for me, not being the frozen aficionado, uh, I lean heavily on the, the, this kind of portion of the film. And I don't even remember a ton of Elsa in Frozen 2. And so like for me, Elsa's coldness comes from her trying to understand not only who she is, but like what her powers are and how she can keep her powers from acting up like they have in the past. And so it's tough when it's not really geared at anyone. It's really just kind of herself. And she's she's being she's shutting herself off from the world in a way that she's actually removing herself as opposed to like existing within the world and being cold to those around her, which so many of these other characters are. Uh, Maleficent. I mean, she she's similar where she kind of keeps to herself. She kind of hides out in her little dungeon. She doesn't really interact with everybody too much. But it's it's like taking pettiness to the extreme, feeling so insulted that you need to take revenge in a way that is brutal but not violent right like it's it's brutal in that she's placing a curse that ultimately will end in the death of the of the cursed but it's not like you know aurora is going to explode on her 16th birthday aurora is going to fall into the sleep that's going to traumatize everyone around her for her 16th birthday and take them along on this hurt journey with them it's almost like she wants people to hurt as bad as possible and as bad as she did without actually like brutally murdering anybody. So like that feels extremely cold. Also the fact that like not only is the baby cursed, but the the result of her being cursed and and her family freaking out about Maleficent finding her again is that she is having to be relocated and living this like lie of a life and while maleficent didn't have like she wasn't the one that was like you're gonna now go there it was a result of her actions in which this had to happen so she's not just affecting like the baby in that moment she's forcing the parents to make a decision she's forcing the kingdom to make a de- kingdom to make a decision uh, there's all of these one-offs all of all of this uh collateral damage from her coldness uh you know it, it's maleficent's a cold ass bitch man and I think that Elsa figures it out, warms up. But Melissa, Melissa, Maleficent is cold until the very end. Uh, I'm going to go with the number nine seed. I'll go ahead and supplement your Frozen knowledge Thanks. for you, Kyle. Because, you know, what else am I good for on this podcast <laughs> other than to be the resident Frozen expert? Um, the The idea that we need to, like, thaw the Frozen heart is introduced in Frozen 1 this moment that you're talking about where she shuts out uh, her family who's trying to rescue her, essentially. Um, like, that is kind of the the, the coldest moment. Uh, and then eventually she, she kind of redeems herself from that uh, decision and the heart is thawed, so to speak. But it's almost like <laughs> Frozen 2 picks up and, like, it's... We're back to square one again, it seems like, <laughs> because Elsa, uh, you know, we're reintroduced to her and she is just so distant uh, emotionally and mentally. Um, this is where the song Into the Unknown uh, comes in, where she's hearing voices and she she feels like something's calling her and she she can't really be here. And she's very restless. They're, they're playing a game of charades. 
in the yeah. castle. Um, and it looks like a super fun, it looks like a super fun game, right? Like this is supposed to be kind of like the representation of, of a normal family life. Uh, where it doesn't maybe look like a family, but you've got all of the pals from Frozen 1 engaging in this fun activity together, um, and Elsa just can't really do it. She can't really focus on the game, um, and she's just not really into it, and like that is cold. Uh, whether that's you know intentional or not, um, she, her, her heart seems to be refrozen in a way. She goes off on the adventure to pursue Atahalan, and... Uh, Elsa accompanies her for most of the way until like the final sea crossing. Uh, and then Elsa goes psych and puts her in this little <laughs> boat and like shoots yeah. her da- off down Goodbye. like a little ice slide. That's right. Uh, it would be like if you like trained for a marathon with someone like just the two of you for like months and then you ran the race and at mile 25, you were like, you like tripped them and broke their ankle. I'm like, just kidding. I'm finished by myself. Bye. <laughs> Like, come on, man. Like, like that to me is, is a very similar kind of decision as the one that happens in Frozen 1. But it also makes it feel worse because like in this moment, Elsa knows what she's doing. I think right. you can kind of plea ignorance a little bit in Frozen 1 and be like, well, she just like hasn't really sorted through these emotions quite yet. Whereas in Frozen 2, like she is intentionally saying, I'm trying to be alone right now. And like, I know how important I am to you. I know how important you are to me. But like, I'm going to face this myself. Don't care how you feel. You're going to have to figure this one out yourself. Um, very, very cold, I think. Um, and then kind of back to what I was saying about Mary Poppins as we, as we finish off the last episode, like, I think there's a way to interpret cold as kind of like a good thing, you know, like the way someone is able to put aside their emotions in a big moment uh, in order to prevail. And we see that with Elsa and frozen Two as she, as she is on that dark beach. I mean, it's like the money shot of frozen Two, uh, where she, she overcomes these big waves and she eventually tames the water knock at sea. Like that is just, I see, I see cold, uh, love that moment for Elsa on top of the fact that like, it looks cold as shit on that beach, man. Like, come on. Hell yeah. Um, so like, and and like again, the cold never bothered her anyways. Like there you go. Like Elsa's cold. Like she's she, so she, cold she was that cold the, and she, the cold ain't cold enough. That's how cold she is. Right. Um, there's so many things that are just so sinister about Maleficent and, and the coldness is just she's frigid to the bone. Um and it's 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 the baby stuff, but it's also the filthy fill stuff of Maleficent traps Phil in the bottom of the castle <laughs> yeah. and she, like, it's another it's another situation where she could just be like boop like I'm gonna kill this guy right now but she's like here's here's what I'm thinking yeah let me twirl my I'm mustache. gonna let you st- mm. I'm, I'm gonna let you stay here for a hundred years <laughs> and then you're free like that's it I'm a nice person right like how sympathetic of me to let you go free a hundred years later and then uh, you can be with your true love. Uh, really, really, really cold. Um, and again, it's like a, it's like some type of apex predator playing with their prey. Yes, yes. It's like how time. an orca flips the seal up in the <laughs> ocean is just like, <laughs> just like, just, 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 just kill him already. Like, just yeah. make it end. But she just gets a little bit of satisfaction out of it, which is just so great. And like, it's not just the baby cursing. 
in in this like intro maleficent intro scene it's just like the way that she talks and like the pacing of her speech is just so cold and calculating and the quote of all quotes where she's like oh what a beautiful party you've invited the royalty the nobility the gentry oh and how quaint even the rabble as a reference to uh, the three good fairies. And she's yeah. just out here dra- dragging people at the birthday party. Um, we talked about wounds. I guess she's, I mean, it, it seems like the birthday party, like non-invitation is the wound, but I think it's definitely deeper. And they do explore that in like the live action Maleficent where like right. she maybe, she like maybe banged dad. I don't know. Yeah. But like there's, <laughs> no. There's something going on there, uh, but I guess we're we'll just gonna have to use context clues in uh, in Sleeping Beauty. I I oh man, this one's really hard because I do think that Maleficent is like the coldest of the cold when it comes to Disney villains. But I'm gonna actually give this one back to my girl Elsa, and I'm gonna move her on in the final four because I think something that I'm gonna start kind of sorting through is like. What is a mustache twirling villain and what is that everyday cold? Uh, when I'm thinking about cold Disney bitches, I'm thinking about, you know, things that you encounter in real life where you go, dang, uh, that's happened to me before, uh, which is what I really like about some of those cold decisions that Elsa makes. So I've got the number one at seat advancing. Hey, what do you know? We got another tiebreaker going back to Tess and Alyssa. Okay. <laughs> we've, we've used the word petty a lot. In my opinion, petty isn't an increment of being a cold bitch or vice versa. I think if you're petty, I I don't think you're a cold bitch. I think you're just petty and annoying. You guys were talking about the ba- the not the cursing a baby thing being uh, like that's like the coldest thing you should do. I find it freaking petty. Like get over yourself. You didn't get invited to a baby's birthday party. Get over yourself. That alone, and the fact that Elsa just never, never did anything petty. Everything that she did was, you know, either had meaning behind it or what was cold because she just like from the get go was told to like shut everyone out. Like I think Elsa is a lot colder than Maleficent, and Maleficent is just fucking petty. That that's my personal opinion. We can't have a tiebreaker tiebreaker, so I will also say I'll move on. <laughs> I'll agree to disagree. I, <laughs> it's I also to, like Tess that you, it's petty to not not about a birthday party. It's just petty. I feel like if you're if you're gonna be petty about not being invited to a party, the petty thing would be to bring up how you weren't invited to that party, like for every year after that. Uh, not necessarily like cursing Curse a baby. baby. Like I don't know. That, baby. That, that's the petty part. <laughs> Well, Elsa has a heart. Elsa has a heart, a warm heart that's just surrounded in ice. I agree. I don't think Elsa. Melissa does not have a heart at all. I don't think Elsa will make it to the finals, but I think she. (laughs) I think I need Maleficent's pettiness to get to get out of this bracket. (laughs) Bye bye. All right. Well, the number one seed in the meantime advances to the final four. Uh, next up, we've got number 13, Scrooge from A Muppet Christmas Carol versus number five, Tinkerbell. Um, I, I really didn't get to say a whole lot about Tinkerbell. 
in the last uh, bracket. Kyle, you me- you referenced like really the thing that I think is like the most important to Tinkerbell, and that's like the the disdain she has for Wendy. Um, and like, I think I think this is bordering on like, okay, this is getting a little bit too personal. Like, this is getting a little too petty. Like, you're being a little too emotional and a little bit re- reactionary. Um, when you look at some of the you know, not just necessarily what she does, but like how she does it, you know, like her, um, kind of like bitter attitude, um, and like her clear, her clearly kind of like jealous reactions, uh, to, to Peter Pan hanging out with Wendy. It's like, that's not really cold. It really looks like you are feeling a lot of things here, Tinkerbell. Um, she calls Wendy, uh, uh, according to Peter Pan. So like, we have to take this with a grain of salt because (laughs) Peter Pan, uh, (laughs) Could also be putting words in in her mouth, which I would not put past him. Uh, he he says that Tinkerbell calls Wendy a big ugly girl um, right. in one of the first like introductions to the two of them, um, and like so so clearly we've got we've got beef we've got mad beef here. Um, you talked about uh, how she was supposed to lead Wendy to safety, and she just like dusted her on purpose. Um, super messed up. The the betrayal. Like I think this yeah. is the coldest, the the coldest like move, like plot point um that we see from Tinkerbell is is the betrayal. Uh Captain Hook uh scoops up Tink um because Tink didn't want to sing the racist song, uh, which you know, good on you, <laughs> Tink, for that one. Shout out Tink. But uh Hook scoops her up and basically says, like, show me, like, show me the location of Peter Pan. And Tink's like all right. I'm like, I'm kind of pissed at him right now. So like she gives him up, um, which is, which is pretty cold. You know, like that's a pretty selfish move. Um, I think, you know, she was kind of in a tough spot because maybe it was her or him at that point, but she does make the decision to, uh, to betray Peter Pan sort of. At the end of the day, Tink kind of, uh, saves the situation. Um, she is the one who breaks out of the lantern and, and takes the bomb present from Peter Pan. Um, and she's also the one who like enchants the ship to fly home, like fly back to London. So while she is very cold in a lot of the way that she treats, uh, Wendy, I think she's kind of a, like valuable asset to like the plot of Peter Pan. And and she's like very useful. Scrooge, like this, this is kind of where this is tough for me because, like, I I think we're we're comparing apples and oranges in some ways because, like, Scrooge is this literary character, um, and like Michael Caine does an incredible job portraying the character of Ebenezer Scrooge, and like Muppet Christmas Carol is a Disney movie, um, but like, we're not just talking about like coldest bitch on this bracket, like we're talking about coldest Disney bitch, yeah. and Tess, you kind of shouted out last week how so much of like Disney's marketing of Tinkerbell is this like bad bitch energy, um, which is like only like half accurate uh, to the character of Tinkerbell. Um, I think for this matchup, I'm going to advance Scrooge. Like, like I'm going to give him like a soft advance here. Just because I think when you compare these two characters head to head, I think Scrooge is much colder. I think his hatred is like very like systematic, you know, like he's uh, he's this money guy. And like when when we think about 
money, we think money is cold. And like people who, who do things for money are cold. Like they don't, they don't, um, follow their heart. You know, they follow their wallet, which I think, you know, I'm not going to uh, call anyone out for doing something like that uh, in a specific situation. <laughs> but like, I think generally as like a society, we would say following the paycheck is colder than following your heart. Um, especially in the world of Disney. I think that's kind of the name of the game. So I've got Ebenezer moving on to the final four where we where, where we would have two snowy bitches uh, going up. Snowy bitches. I was going to use the lens of of the Disney qualifier here, as you just brought up. Like that I had in my kind of mental map of this, like Scrooge can get through the first round, uh, but then we gotta start talking about like Disney cold bitches here. And I think that Scrooge's character isn't a manifestation of uh of Disney. Neither is Tinkerbell. I mean, none of this stuff is, right? Like a lot of these characters are based upon uh, literary characters, but there's something about the Scrooge character, which is a story that's told time and time again. It's written, rewritten, shown, reshown, but Scrooge always stays the same. And so while Michael Caine's uh, performance is fantastic, uh, he's so much deeply tied to the Dickens fran- like uh, novel than he is so much a, a Disney cold bitch. And so, like, by default, I was going to give it to, to Tinkerbell, and I, I think I'm still going to. And I think that also, as we're talking about, like, this, this distinction between, like, what's, what's just petty and what's actually cold, I think that they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. I feel like uh, pettiness uh, can manifest coldness. Like, you can have a petty grudge against somebody or a petty feeling against somebody and like give them the cold shoulder and that's your act of pettiness, right? Like you can be cold to somebody because you're petty about a situation. And so as we talk, I'm going to continue to lean on that because I think pettiness can lead to uh, somebody becoming extremely cold. You don't, you don't always turn cold if you're petty. You can do some petty things and they're not so cold, uh, but we, we've got some people that will. So I'm going to go with Tinkerbell because I think that pettiness turns into cold real quick. It gets icy. It gets icy almost immediately. And she's doing things that are just are just plain cold. And she also she she real cold about hiding it too. You talk about cold in the good way or like in the the ooh savage way. Uh, there's the moment where she like denies accountability for Wendy getting lost and Pete's like, bro, where's Wendy? Did you just run off with without her? And she's like strutting on the leaf and she's like no and she goes behind the the leaf and pokes her head back out and she's like yeah like (laughs) she's just cold for that she's cold for that so i'm gonna go with tinkerbell uh we've got another tie break i think tinkerbell is impulsive right i feel like you know you know they they get new lost boys all the time on the island but this is the first time that they've gotten like a girl who's like taken in on her territory. So I think she just acts out because I don't know. She's just a little bitch. I think she's a little bitch. I think she's a little petty bitch. I think when you're comparing that with Scrooge, who literally is, doesn't mind like starving or, uh, putting his, uh, his uh, employees through like hypothermia in the office. Like there's just like a long game with Scrooge where it's just, he does not care about anybody else. And 
I, I'm not ready to put the magnifying glass on which one's Disney or not. Cause both regardless, both were, which one is the biggest Disney bitch because either way they're both on this bracket and both of them I watch on Disney plus. So who cares? But, um, I don't know. I think that they're apples and oranges, but I think Scrooge is the colder person for literally just not for such a big part of the movie. Like the reason why the ghost of Christmas or not the ghost of Christmas past when Marley comes back, Marley, who, who's the first one? And yeah. sorry, out of all the Christmas carols, the one I watched the most is the Mickey one. So who's goofy in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so in the Muppet Christmas Carol, it's Marley and Marley. Uh, it's two, it's two guys and it's the heckling Muppet guys. So the whole reason why they come back is to be like, look, look what happens when you try to rob poor people, like chill out, live your life. Stop thinking about just yourself, like move on. And I, I just think that makes him a colder overall person. So that, that's my soapbox. Yeah. I'm not gonna kick your soapbox from with you. <laughs> I appreciate that. So, Thank you. I mean, we're friends, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> Scrooge said, uh, "Tiny Tim better put on his big boy pants and get to work because there is money to be made." <clears throat> get that money. Shut up, about Tiny Tim. We get. He needs to get that money. Get his bread up. <laughs> right. All right, Scrooge moves on. Let's talk about this next matchup. It is the number fifteen PL Travers versus number seven Ursula. And uh, I love P.L. Travers in this matchup because it's not just that she's she's cold. She's unapologetically cold. And she's cold for almost no reason at all. Uh, <laughs> obviously, she has she's like guarding her intellectual property. She is very protective of it. And it's interesting that Disney put this thing out. I put this film out about like protecting what you love and protecting your your intellectual property, but also dealing with like your past traumas and able to reconcile with them, yada, yada, yada. Uh, because like this property battle is so sensitive, it feels like in the creative world that like they're almost owning up to the manipulation of P.L. Travers in order to get her to sign over the rights to Mary Poppins. Like it's just a bizarre aspect of that of this era of Disney where they're like, oh, we have this really heartwarming story about how this cold woman changed her mind and gave us Mary Poppins. <laughs> and at the end of the day, like that's not even true. Like P.L. Travers still hated the movie. Like it's <laughs> she didn't change her mind. In this movie, she changed her mind, but not in real life. So it's just funny. This film is super funny, but I love it. I love this film a lot, uh, even if it has some of these historical inaccuracies. But P.L. Travers is fantastic, uh, and she has she doesn't really ever let up that coldness, uh, even to the very end. She's still cold. Like I get brought up last time. Like she's telling Ralph, like you're my favorite American. He's like, oh, why? And she she's like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to tell you why. Like that that's all you get from me. Uh, back to the cold. Uh, Chris, you brought up the Disneyland thing where she's like, I don't like Disneyland. And she gets brought over there. And Walt is like, I have uh, the the boys have an idea for you. Uh, I think it's going to make you happy. And she's like, you brought me all the way here to tell me that? Like, she she's like, I don't want to be here. Like, you made me come to this place that I absolutely despise to give me information that you could have given me at the studio. Like, fuck off. Like, what are we doing here? Uh, it comes obviously from this kind of childhood trauma of her alcoholic father and and her feeling like she needs to kind of 
protect this image of who she thinks is Mr. Banks, which is who she thinks is as her father almost, uh, and not turning him into this cartoon character. But that just that that strength uh, or that stranglehold on that trauma creates this kind of cold character. Uh, You're right. Hates animation. Hates color. Doesn't want songs. Doesn't want fun. Uh, the the <laughs> the end. She's like crying in the theater as if like she's uh, she's loving it, and in reality, she could have been crying because she hated it. Uh, it. It she just was not on board to the very end. Ultimately, uh, I love this character. She just does not care. She does not care about your feelings. It's not even direct. She's not even giving direct feedback. She's giving feedback that attacks the essence of what they're trying to do there. Every like scene and what she's in there with the Sherman brothers, she's tearing them apart, <laughs> tearing them apart. And that's a cold thing to do to walk into a, a studio and be like, no, your songs are shit. I don't want it in this film. It, it, that she's just cold, cold, cold. She's not evil. She's cold and she's cold for a reason. Ursula is cold because she's evil. And here here's where I'm I'm leaning further towards. If the the character who's not evil can still remain cold and kind of ruthless and and not have an agenda that is malicious, just cold to be cold, I think that that is a colder Disney bitch. So I'm gonna go with PL Travers here. Yeah, I think I think cold is is kind of a very like nuanced character trait. And that's why I love so many of the characters on this bracket. Um and while many not just disney villains but like film villains can be very like mustache twirly um and very kind of like caricatures uh of like villainy um you know being cold is is this kind of like very specific type of uh feeling type of uh, character trait and so um while ursula has these these cold moments and like these small cold aspects of her character, um, that being the use of contracts and like, uh, you know, relying on this kind of like legally binding way to get what she wants. Like, yeah, that is cold, uh, not very empathetic towards the person that you're working with. Um, but PL Travers is, is just this, this very real person. And, I think so many times when I've looked at the characters on this bracket, the ones that I like more are those ones that, um, you know, I, I just, just coldness that really resonates me with me. You know, I can feel it in my bones when she's throwing those pears out the window. It's like, <laughs> God, that's just, that's just, it's just cruel. And, but like, I can totally see someone doing that where it's like, ah, like yeah, I could see someone screwing someone over with contracts, but like maybe not to the extent that Ursula is going here. Um, so I actually think I'm with you. Like big upset here with with the 15 moving on to the final four, but I think I got PL Travers as well. Um, Alyssa and Tess, wh- would you have gone Ursula here, or, or are you cool with sending PL? I concur with PL because she read the contract and she was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, that's right. You know? uh, not a, she yes, but she threw her hands up and I was like, "Fine, if you guys make this movie, will you leave me alone?" Yeah, so but fuck it, I guess, fine. 
<laughs> she said, if I, if, I'll throw my hands up, you make this movie, but you are going to live with the hell that is P.L. Travers yeah, the entire right. Life. Like, I, I'm certain that she wrote Disney letters, like, every month, like, I still hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had that in, like, a history book, because I feel like that's what she would still do. Release the papers, Iger. Release the papers. Next matchup as we round out the final fourth. Number three, Lady Tremaine versus number six, Mary Poppins. Kyle, you uh, shouted out the peak Lady Tremaine moment um, in the last episode, and that is that necklace seat. Um, and I think the, the, the trait that you identified was that she wants to do physical harm to Cinderella, but she doesn't even have to lift a finger herself. Uh, whether that's just getting her to like perform manual labor to the point where she just can't really do it anymore, or like physically getting the stepsisters to like attack her. Um, very, very, very cold. Um, and it's it's one of those. It's it's like a way of being cold. That's not necessarily like. Uh, person to person, but more like internally cold, you know, yes. like I'm just, I'm just no so, I have blinders on to everything, no empathy whatsoever. And, and I love that. Um, Lady Tremaine's playing political games too, y'all. Oh yeah. Uh, she's out here trying to advance her own agenda. She's trying to be like the queen regent or whatever of this whole <laughs> kingdom. Like she's that's her goal. It, like, and and the way that she gets up there, it's kind of crazy because I don't remember this, but was Cinderella's biological father like a royal royalty in any way? No. No, was he was he wealthy? I feel like he was wealthy, at least in the live action. He had a house, like he had a nice little house. I mean, if you go he, off, he, he was like an yeah off the Disney classic, the Cinderella story. He was wealthy. So he was like a he was like an upper middle class guy. Right. Like he like he's like he's got a house. He's not he's better than nothing, but uh, you know, she's she's trying to work her way up. I almost feel like would it be more realistic to try and like increase her odds of becoming the queen regent by like just letting Cinderella also date the prince, right? Right. Like, right? Because obviously like I think her preference would be like her biological daughters, uh, Anastasia and Gris- Grisella. Grisa- I was gonna say Grizabella, but I think that's the cat from Cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it seems like you know, I-, I would love to see a different version of this movie where like Cinderella isn't trapped in in like a nasty bedroom, but like is. But Lady Tremaine like manipulates her like politically kind of like I'm gonna go ahead and do another Game of Thrones reference. But the way that like Cersei kind of like manipulates Sansa and kind of like keeps her as this like political prisoner to try and like um, create this like mini me robot version of herself. Uh, I think that would be a very cool version of Cinderella. I feel like Tremaine got into deep. I think that like this was her peak. Like she she made it. She's living in this big house. She's been uh-huh. able to bring her daughters there. Uh, she's got her own maid now <laughs> that she's inherited through this marriage. 
life is good. And then it it's not until the prince's party is announced where she's like, oh, I can climb again. Huh. And I'm going to climb again by getting my daughters to be the ones that went over prince the prince uh, because if cinderella does there's no way she's bringing me along for the ride because i've treated her like shit for her entire life so i feel like she was just in too deep and didn't it wasn't always the 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 throne she was after but it presented herself and she tried to take advantage of it while a lot of the coldness of lady tremaine comes out in this personal relationship with cinderella i do think that it's cool that i think she has this kind of broader um scheme that she's working on as well Mary Poppins. Um, I I still think that like, I think you can be cold and be a good character, and like Mary Poppins has these like flashes of funness, but like, I think she's pretty cold. Uh, I I mentioned kind of like her introduction being a little bit like I guess we'll call it abrasive. Um, like she, she, it wasn't kind of like warm and welcoming, like when she walked through that door, um, and like, yeah, she facilitates this like game for the kids. Um, but, but right before that, she like opens up her little bag of tricks and she's basically like, I, I it's almost like a gaslight. Like she's doing these magic things and basically like acting like they're not magic at all. Right. She's she's pulling out like lamps and coat racks and shit out of this bag, and she's just like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> setting up the nursery here, uh, and she's got the, t- the this savage tape measure <laughs> uh, where she's like, let's see how tall you are, and like the tape measure says, I can't remember what it says, but it's so funny, like, and there's one for each of the two kids. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just like a little practice on the perfect. tape measure, practically perfect and that's in every cool. way, like. Hey, if we're going to go ahead and call Maleficent cold for cursing a baby, we have to call Mary Poppins cold for roasting children. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that I I think that's cold in the best way. We should always be roasting children. Well, well, and I think it was I think this was a very like elegant uh, version of Super Nanny, right? Like. Mary Poppins was like, look, you little brats, you keep going through all these nannies. You need to shape up and ship out. Like, get over yourselves. Let's go. Like, your parents are just trying to give you a nice little life. Come on, rich kids, let's go. The very first thing she says to Michael Banks is, we are not a codfish. Close your mouth. (laughs) Um, And like, I mean, that's a really good kind of introduction to like, the relationship that she has with the kids, kind of what you're saying, Tess, that like, it's not warm and fuzzy. It's not like I'm going to take care of you. It's like, I'm here to solve a problem that exists in this family and I'm going to do it by whatever means necessary. I mentioned this moment when I think we were talking about best Mary Poppins song, but in Spoonful of Sugar, when she's singing in front of the mirror and the mirror version of herself does like the little ah, uh-huh. and Mary goes cheeky. <laughs> I love that. And like that one moment is like cold bitch, but like in the best way. Sure. You yeah. know so- that like she's so ice cold that she thinks she's better than her own reflection. Yeah. <laughs> Where like so many real people like let the like let what's in the mirror 
you know, like uh, dictate how they feel. Uh, whereas Mary Poppins, like reflection, don't like her. <laughs> the reflection started it. The reflection was cheeky. She was like know it all <laughs> smile on her face. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Um. Also, I mean, I think. Uh, what do you guys think about feed the birds? Being like a intentional, like planting a seed of like dissent inside the bank's children. Like, did <laughs> she know that they were gonna go into that bank and be like, "I don't want to put my money in the bank account. I want to feed the birds." If she didn't <laughs> sing that song, they probably wouldn't have done it. Right. As someone who works in education and molds minds of children, <laughs> I would, yeah. I, I think I think planting little seeds for the children is important to help them become better humans. So that's that was her whole MO. I think I think and that's where Mary Poppins loses me, is that it's kind of the opposite of the Scrooge situation, where like Mary Poppins has these like small moments of coldness that I absolutely love. But at the end of the day, she is kind of preaching wonder over this like cold banking world. Uh, like you could say that uh, Dawes, Tomes, Mousley, Grubs, they're the coldest Disney bitches because they're out <laughs> here just singing about money all the time. Yeah. And so, uh, and like in addition to that, I think that like what Mary's doing clearly intentionally to this family takes a lot of courage that I think a lot of cold-hearted people try and fight. You know, like they'll try and not do the courageous thing. They'll try and just let that ice wall build up a little bit more and more. Um, and so I think I think that's where I'm going to advance Lady Tremaine here, even though I do, I do love the cold bitch element of Mary Poppins as a character. I'm, I'm glad you came around. I'm glad you came around hey. to that argument there because that's, that's what I've been trying to preach. I, she comes in... I, I still don't think that outside of the good cold where she she's dropping roast, she's dropping just these cold ice in your veins moments. <laughs> I, I don't perceive her as being cold. I think that she's direct because the children needed directness. Mr. Banks needed to be checked with directness. And it's not out of in a coldness and it's not intentionally there to like hurt him or make him feel unwanted or make them feel unwanted. It's to make them realize uh, at the e in the long game, at the end of the day, that they are all who that they have. And this is a family that needs to come together. She's almost like a little Herb, Herb Brooks where she's like, if they, they feel like I'm direct and they don't like me, maybe they'll love each other more sort of situation. Uh, she just was intentional with it. Cold moments for sure. But like Lady Tremaine, she's she, you the perfect example that you brought up earlier is that kind of like mush, mustache twirling villain who is like all i want is power all i want is all i want is money all i want is you know all of this and and tremaine feel i feels like she's mostly motivated especially at the beginning of the film to just make cinderella's life hell so that she can live this lavish life with her daughters and she's doing it in such an indirect way, sometimes direct by like making her do chores, but indirect by making her do things she doesn't need to be doing to like mentally break her down day by day. 
if Cinderella didn't have these damn mice to speak to, she it, it's game over. She she had to find solace somewhere else, right? So Lady Tremaine, for that reason, it's not even because she's evil. It's just she is so cold-hearted and cold to another human being in that long game format, like a Maleficent that I really like her. So I'm, I'm going to go with Lady Tremaine as well. Uh, Alyssa and Tess, were you going to choose uh, Miss Poppins in this round? No, no. Like, yeah, it's, it's all about intent. And, you know, Mary Poppins at least had good intent. She had good intent in her heart, which means she has a heart, which means she can't be a, a complete full cold bitch. All right, who's who's going to go to the finals here? We got our final four in this first matchup is uh, number one, Elsa versus number 13, Scrooge. And I've, uh, I've, I don't even know, man. I, I don't know Elsa, obviously, because uh, that, that has become evident. And I tried to down Scrooge as well last time and I was unsuccessful. So, I mean, if we're all ready to put on our Disney hats this round, then I think that by that magnifying glass, Elsa would have to move on to the finals. Can we put this character that transcend that comes from something that even was bigger before it got to the Muppets, which was the Muppets were its own thing before it got to Disney into the finals of a best Disney or sorry, best Disney saddest. No, <laughs> what? what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? What are we talking Where about? <laughs> Coldest Disney bitch. Can it be this? character from this acquired property that was bigger before it got into Disney hands to begin with over a Disney property that is arguably one of the most popular characters of all time uh, and a lot of it is because she had this frozen heart so I mean I'm a, I'm absolutely worthless in this matchup and I'm just going to pass on Elsa to the finals one of the most popular characters of all time as yeah. a way to describe Elsa that, I mean, I've never really thought of it in that context. And so, I mean, it's really Elsa and Jesus, I think as the top two. Did I not say popular Disney characters of all time? Run the tape back because if I said popular <laughs> characters of all time, then I'm an idiot and we're at the end of this episode. Hey, Elsa is our Disney Jesus in so many ways. So many um, ways. She saved me. Um, yeah. I mean, Elsa had to wear a pantsuit and unbraid her hair for our sins. Mm. Um, Kyle, I think we absolutely can advance Scrooge on in this matchup. And here's why. The addition of the Muppets enhances the coldness of Scrooge because he's not just yelling at some like a little uh, crotchety old Bob Cratchit. He's yelling at Kermit and he's yelling at the little mouse family who's like, um, please, I want some cheese. Uh, and like he's throwing Muppets out the door like it's it's a whole added layer of coldness when <laughs> when this you're surrounded by like these colorful fun childlike things and he's like the only real well, not the only real person but like as far as main characters in the movie go he's the only like real person and he's pissed off about it <laughs> And like the whole Muppets brand is that like you get a real person in with the Muppets and it's like this funny 
comical, like joyous, jolly uh, interaction between the puppet and the human. And uh, Michael Caine as Scrooge is just like, no, nah, fam. No. Hate these puppets. I don't care. Hate them. If you're a person, don't want if you're a Muppet. Don't want them here. I will, I will literally throw one out on Christmas Eve and literally throw him out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, I, Kyle, it's a slippery slope. Because, I mean, Mary Poppins is not a Disney character beforehand. But I made that argument in the first episode. I said that, of course, all of these Disney things came from other literary places. But Scrooge is unique in that Scrooge was, like, big and Scrooge and, like, transcended even the Dickens novel before it got to Disney. While a lot of these other characters, Disney helped to amplify their popularity. Hey, Herb Brooks was pretty damn popular. Yeah, Herb Brooks was super popular when he got to Miracle. Um, I got I got Scrooge. Jesus. I got Scrooge. I <laughs> I think Elsa by the by the end of Frozen Two, Elsa like has this aura about her. It's like this glow of like enlightenment. Like she has reached this like. This like nirvana of being where she's neither cold nor warm. She's just Elsa. Uh, and so I think Scrooge is yeah, like, yeah, he gets warm too. But I think when, when I think about Scrooge, I think about the bah humbug version of himself. Uh, so this one's going to a tie break. No. <laughs> I think Scrooge should go on. What do you think? I'm not sending the lesbian animation character on. <laughs> well, yeah, what did you write in the notes that Elsa is an angry lesbian? Is an angry lesbian. <laughs> Doesn't make her a cold bitch. It does not make her a cold bitch. Yeah, I, I think if you look I think if you look at the two characters individually, they both have character arcs, they both have cold hearts that get melted by love. Whether it's the love of a sibling that you reacquainted with or, or the love of Christmas joy and the Muppet singing a Chris, an original Christmas song for you. Um, yeah, I, Kyle, I get it. I get it. The Dickens character has been around for five ever. I get it. But regard, but if that was the case, then it's like, then we're just saying that Elsa wins. We can't say that. I don't think that would be our only thing. Let's put it this way. I already made my argument. I already made my argument for it. I don't know what, you, what you're not understanding let's, let's about this, this argument. Elsa was cold to her family, but she still wanted what was best for Arendelle. Yeah, she didn't starve Scrooge anybody. Scrooge was like, F this place. F everyone. She left them in a perpetual winter. Well, she, she didn't know. She didn't she didn't know. She was just a little angry lesbian. She hadn't met Meriwether yet. Is that her name? <laughs> no, not Meriwether. I'm quitting. Honey, show. honey, I'm quitting show. what's her name? Hello. <laughs> I've had enough. No, so I, I, I think we're what going for Scrooge about? is going on. Why are we? We are saying? protecting. We're protecting our, we're our ice cream. We're off the rails. What is happening here? And, I don't even. And who is Meriwether? Oh, no, Mary Weather, I don't know what she's talking about. Meriwether is actually the blue fairy in Sleeping Beauty. I met you talking about like right. the girl that she meets in the second one. Yes, the the Atta Holland that she native person. With? Honey, honey, Chris, tell me who. What's her name? That she u hauls with. Yeah, yeah. What's her name? And her reindeer. Honey, <laughs> Marin. Honey, Mare. Not Jason Bates, <laughs> but the girl. 
Jason Bateman is in the movie? <laughs> I feel like I'm listening to a different language <laughs> and I don't want to anymore. So let's move on. Scrooge is going to the finals. Chris, please. So let's let's keep let's go. We've got the number 15 PL Travers in the number three Lady Tremaine. And the everyday coldness of PL Travers wins out for me on this one. Um, the fact that PL Travers is the main character of Saving Mr. Banks is absolutely fascinating um, in this matchup. Um, I, it's just like proof to me that you don't need like a complex story to make a movie interesting. Like if you just make a real character that's uh, got real emotions and real reactions, uh, it's it's a phenomenal picture. And that's what we get with Saving Mr. Banks. I do want to mention that P.L. Travers has a little contract drama of her own. Sure does. Um, Bring it up. The the whole movie, uh, she's got this contract in her back pocket and she's like lording it over Walt Disney. Yeah, that's um, cool. Which is super cold like it's cool. one thing to force it's it's one thing to force someone to or like trick someone into signing a contract it's another thing to not sign a contract in order to like basically manipulate someone into doing whatever you want uh things that are not in the contract like that is cold and that is calculating i absolutely love that about PL. Lady, the, the only downfall to Lady Tremaine is that I just feel like we wasted so much of the movie on the cat. Like, I wish we got oh, a few God. more. I wish we got a few more, like, really solid Lady Tremaine, like, <laughs> conversations, monologues, anything. Um, love PL. And I would love to see her take on Scrooge in the finals. I think that would be an interesting matchup. I don't, but I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, PL Travers is definitely going to move on and uh before everyone starts coming for next about oh well pl travers existed outside of disney this is a pl travers that disney created for this film like this is a caricature of a person whose name was pl travers this is not a real story this is what disney wants us to believe so pl travers is definitely the the colder disney bitch over lady tremaine although i think that it's neck and neck i think that lady tremaine's continued manipulation her uh using her own daughters as pawns without them knowing it we talked about that in the villain bracket like she's able to use them as these puppets and they have no idea that that's what's happening to them uh, that that that's cold um but pl travers in her many many a comeback she always has something to say and it's never anything that anyone wants to hear but she's doing it in a way that isn't like intentionally hurting people she's like protective of herself uh, and and you can be you can be that cold in that way. So PL Travers will go face Scrooge in the finals. Uh, Tess and Alyssa, what language are you going to speak this time around? Well, okay. So here's my thing. I don't know Klingon. Um, but no, I, <laughs> I think it's a little bit. Stop flipping the page. I think it's a little bit different because PL Travers was cool. Uh, was a cold bitch on the chance of opportunity. Because, I mean, she was cold, but she wasn't, I don't know, like, she wasn't, like, a massive cold bitch until Disney reached out and was like, hey, we want to do this. 
then that's when she really came into her own. Mm-hmm. Lady Tremaine was a cold bitch from the start, mm-hmm. from when she started dating mm-hmm. Cinderella's dad, when she started doing all of this. And also, mm-hmm. who are her original daughter's dads? Like, she is a manipulator through and through. So I I don't know if this is controversial, but I disagree with you guys. It's- it's not, it's not controversial. I think that's every oh, single okay, cool, episode we've cool, ever done. Cool, but I but didn't the the beginning of Saving Mr. Banks like she wasn't getting publishing contracts because she was so difficult to work with? Wasn't that like part of the whole motivation? Like her agent was like, "Listen, you need to strike a deal," and we got Walt Disney on the phone. Wasn't that like the whole motivation? Yes, yes. But it's just the book, though. So she she like, been trains like, let's go. I don't know. Sure. I I know I I think PL Travers never smiles. That's my input. Lady Tremaine's one. Yeah, I mean, let's one. go back and see who like smiled. That. I think that's that's think, the tiebreaker. Think, let's like, all sit here. I'll share my screen and we'll watch Cinderella from the <laughs> beginning, no, and I we'll figure out if Lady Tremaine smiled. Lady Tremaine smiled when she locked Cinderella up when the guy came with the shoe, right. and she was like, "Ha ha ha! I'm locking you in the room." That's it. That's my input. All right, we have our we have our coldest Disney bitch finals, and who who is it gonna be? It's either number thirteen Scrooge from the Muppet Christmas Carol, or it's <laughs> P.L. Travers from Saving Mr. Banks. And I swear to God, if we as a group choose Scrooge from the Muppet movie over P.L. Travers. Uh, we're gonna. You two will replace me as the as the host, and I'll be showing up every once in a while as the guest host. Uh, it's P.L. Travers. Scrooge is Sco- Scrooge is not a Disney character, and he's not a di- cold Disney bitch. He's he's a cold Dickens bitch, and the Muppets did it. So P.L. Travers wins. Here's the, here's the thing. <laughs> Don't here's the thing, me. Don't here's the thing, me. First first of all, hey, let's just let's just take a step back. Let's take a step back. Let's take a deep breath. There's something that I love about both of these characters. And that is that their backstory is explored in depth. Yep. Um, and, and I think taking this back to kind of like the, com- comparing these characters to real life cold people that I know, there's, a, there's something causing them to be cold. Didn't Scrooge Whether, work for Fozzie Bear? Because that would cause me to be a little bit cold. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so in a Christmas in a Christmas carol, they go back in time to the ghost of Christmas past, takes them back in time, and they show Scrooge, here's everything that, you know, here's what you used to be like. Um, and I can't remember exactly what caused him to go off the rails, <laughs> but it's in there. It's in there for sure. And in Saving Mr. Banks, obviously, like that's that's the the movie is like it's telling the story of PL being a difficult person alongside uh baby baby Pam being Ginty uh being this like uh you know super magical uh fantastic inspired little child uh and the alcoholic father just like killing the magic for her. yeah uh when when he did the the Dawes Tomes Mousley Grub speech IRL um uh, before he fell off a stage <laughs> yeah right um 
and so there are these there are these wounds deep inside both of these characters that is causing them to be cold. Um, I like that. I like that about both of them. Scrooge, though, his coldness is like yes, it's affecting the entire town, but the fact that his coldness is a war on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> And and in this movie, Christmas represents joy. Christmas represents love. Christmas represents light. His coldness is an attack on all of that. Love that. I think you could say the same thing about P.L. Travers, where her coldness is an attack on whimsy. It's an attack on uh, inspiration and imagination. Because these are all it's things. An attack on animated penguins. Right, but the animated penguins are just a placeholder for for the joy that was squashed when she saw her dad cough into a bloody napkin. <laughs> That's anybody from that time period, though. That's at least sixty percent of the children from that time period. The fact that Scrooge exists in a snowy climate. And not put, and he doesn't put fire on his his furnace like that. That makes him literally cold. Uh, P.L. Travers, though, she's from London where it's rainy and she doesn't like sun, so she also likes to be uh, physically <laughs> cold. So this is like such a neck and neck matchup, and I love both of these characters. I really, really, really want to give this one to Scrooge. Um, to stick it in Kyle's face, but I don't think I, I don't think I'm a cold enough bitch to do that. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to give it to PL Travers. I'm going to give a dub to a movie that deserves a dub and deserves to be in the Mouse Madness Hall of Fame in Saving Mr. Banks. Uh, PL Travers, a Disney icon, Mary Poppins, a Disney icon, and Saving Mr. Banks, now a Mo Mad Hall of Famer. We've done it, folks. Our coldest Disney bitch is P.L. Travers. And as we do, we're going to go ahead and clap it out for Pammy. This was a a, an incredibly well-debated bracket. Maybe the most tie breaks ever. (laughs) Alyssa and Tess. Stop it. Alyssa (laughs) Alyssa and Tess, we, we spared you in the finals. Would you have gone with Scrooge? What did I just write down? Which is worse? Someone with a character arc who is really bad, but turned good or someone who never smiles and only thinks of herself, but like never starved anyone. Um, so I was, <laughs> I was really stuck. It's tough. it's tough. So I appreciate you guys making the choice for us. I also must say that if this is the bracket with the most tie breaks, I've also been on the bracket with the zero tie breaks and I was really mad about that so I appreciate like they made up for it yeah for you thanks yeah yeah we definitely made up for it (laughs) so y'all don't want to you don't you don't want to play your cards or anything you you don't want to admit that you would have picked Scrooge (laughs) well well, I mean if you say it that way where we might be able to change the outcome no but I, I don't think we can change the outcome so no comment I I think it's I think it's hard. I think I have a hard time with the if it came to the finals with someone who had a character arc and someone who didn't. I think that's what would would toughen me up is that or that would screw me up is that Scrooge was worse. 
than Peel Travers, but Peel Travers never changed and just remained a cold bitch, even though what she did was far less, like, not as harmful to humanity as Scrooge. So I don't know. You're, it's fine. You guys are great. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, that does it. At last, we've reached a conclusion. We've reached the end of another bracket. Um, Tess and Alyssa, thank you so much for, for doing this with us. It was a crazy one. Um, I'm sorry if I was ever cold in any way during this, <laughs> during these debates, but uh, we appreciate having you on it. Just let it go. There it is. There it is. Oh, no, we had fun tonight. Thank you guys for including us in this. I must say that I'm, I, I've gone a whole bracket without name dropping Mandy, but I like how she did the <laughs> Disney's uh, the biggest Disney badass or whatever, and I did the coldest Disney bitch. So I think we are the yin and yang still of the podcast. I think so. I think so. Well, everyone, you know how to reach us. If you got something to say about these cold ass bitches, if you got a bracket idea, if you want to hop in and do some co-hosting, get your first Mouse Madness bracket under your belt, hit us up. Email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Or reach out to us on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash mousemadness and become a member of Jerry's gang by joining us at the $5 level where you'll have access to things like two bonus Mouse Madness episodes a month where we talk about some really fun things like we did this month. Uh, go ahead and check it out. You also get access to things like voting on bracket topics and an invite to our seasonal Jerry's Gang trivia session, which is always super fun. Um, so go check it out. Great gift for loved ones for this holiday season. Folks, we appreciate you joining us as always. Uh, now get out of here. Spit spot. <laughs>